It's time for JT the Brick. So we are open for business again, everybody. I had a dream that someday we'd have a flagship station with the cooperation of the team and the fans that stream globally. JT the Brick. Are we all on board with that? Because if you're not on board with this, you're going to have to enter a mental asylum. If you're not on board with this, it's going to drive you nuts. Jackpot, baby! And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We are inside the Raiders headquarters as it's media day today. And the players are out on the field, you know, taking those videos and those profile pictures that you'll see on other broadcasts and You'll see at Raiders.com, and you'll see on the big screen at Allegiant Stadium, all of that. So everybody in uniform coming around today. A lot of excitement in the building today on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. Hopefully everyone's doing great. Coming off a long weekend, I was just in New York uh, for a college reunion that was epic and fantastic. And I'm leaving tomorrow with my wife on a quick trip in and out to Europe to go see the Rolling Stones play in Liverpool and Amsterdam. Bucket list for the wife and I who met at a Stone show. We had that planned two years ago, but COVID knocked it down in back-to-back years. So we're going to head out from Tuesday to Tuesday. So quick show, last show of the week. Get on in. NBA Finals with the Dubs, the Warriors, annihilating Boston. Absolutely annihilating Boston in Game 2, coming off the Game 1 loss. I'll dive into that a little bit later on the show. Andre James is going to join us at any moment. He's going to walk up here and sit in with me, the center, for the first part of the show. Doug Jolly, Raider fans love Doug Jolly when he played here, the former tight end. He's going to check in at the bottom of the hour. We're working with the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, which is a fantastic Hall of Fame here. Their induction's coming up, and we're going to talk to Sean Davis, who's probably the most influential person in rodeo, a legend who helped bring the rodeo here. But you know how much this brings to Southern Nevada. You, I don't even think you can put a real number on what this gentleman did to help this community when it came with all of that. And then we're uh, trying to figure out what we're going to do on the back end of the show if we get another Raider guest today because we're in the building and there could be a couple of players that we have on. If you know what you want to talk about, 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. And now it's starting to feel like it when I pulled up to the facility today with all the trucks and TV here. We're getting close. When you look at, you know, OTAs, then you get into mini camps before training camps, mandatory mini camps. That's not a big deal around here, mandatory anything, because everybody's here. That's what's unbelievable about this place. They built the greatest new facility, arguably in professional sports, and right next door, I mean, 50 yards away is the Aces as that's going up. Every time I come here, it's amazing to see the progress at that property. And for the Raider players who moved here and are here, they want to come to work. This isn't like, hey, we're going to go to some small town in Wisconsin for training camp. We're going to go in a small town you never heard of and go work out. The guys want to be here. And this goes through the past regime since they moved to Vegas. Players, coaches, families want to be in this community. And as I told you more than anybody in this town behind a microphone, the key to the Raiders' success, the massive key, has to be recruiting. They have got to get players to come in who want to play here and get it done. So we're really excited about that. And the ability to live in southern Nevada here in Henderson 
really plays out for a lot of guys, including my first guest, Andre James, who's kind enough to join us on Media Day. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you. Hey, thank you for having me. We were just talking about living here. And we'll go back and we'll start off with you in Utah and what you did at UCLA. But how comfortable are you getting now in this community with the houses, the lifestyle, the barbecues, the friends? You can race up to the strip. You can go hiking. How do you like it? Oh, man, I love it. It's uh, it's really awesome. Uh, I, I really loved Oakland starting off there, but uh, I really do feel like the community here in Vegas has uh, really accepted us. And uh, it really got welcomed in uh, full. So I love it. There's always something to do here in Vegas. You, know, you got to be careful. But um, it's awesome, man. We, we love it. It's, uh, it's easy to get places. We got in at the right time when it was cheap. So a lot of guys bought houses. We got a lot of good equity in those. So, yeah, man, it, it's awesome. We love it out here. I like what you said. It's easier, right? Traffic and mm-hmm. you played at UCLA and living in Los Angeles, then being yep. in the Bay Area. You know, there's pros and cons to being everywhere, but here it's just a little bit easier to get around and have a good time. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to worry about that traffic anymore. <laughs> so let's go back. I want to talk to you about how it started for you out of high school. You were recruited by a lot of programs. You chose UCLA. There's a connection to Colt Miller on that roster, playing for that iconic school what was that like when you were making the decision and it came down to your final choice? You know, it was, it was a hard decision. Uh, I made my decision, my, uh, uh, I think it was like just right before my senior year to go to UCLA. I had a few, uh, few schools I was picking out of, Ohio State, UCLA, USC, and uh, Utah. Um, you know, it took a lot of visits and uh, that UCLA was going to be the best opportunity for me, uh, me and my family being not too far away from home. And then... Uh, yeah, so it was a great education. Uh, the campus is beautiful, as a lot of people know. And when you got in there as a true freshman and the opportunity to play early and, again, the connection to Colton mm-hmm. and your health and trying to be an Iron Man and playing all these games, what was that like knowing that school had such a rich history, not only with Rose Bowls and conference championships, but especially putting players into the NFL? Right. It, w- it was a lot at first. You know, just uh, I feel like it is for almost any kid coming out of high school, you know, moving in. Being from Utah, moving into a big uh, city like L.A. was a lot for me at first. And so the transition, it it was kind of difficult for me. And so uh, it took a couple years to kind of get going and, you know, start to feel really comfortable. And, uh, you know, and I did. And, uh, you know, once I was there, moving around, it was great. So you come in and we're talking to Andre James Center for the Raiders. You come to the team undrafted, really having to prove. Did you come in with a chip on your shoulder, not being drafted, being undrafted, knowing you were going to end up with a team and a team was going to sign you? Take me through that process. Right. Once I went undrafted, uh, I, I did feel like I, I had a huge chip on my shoulder. But uh, I also kind of attacked it with a mentality like uh, I don't really have anything to lose. You know what I mean? I, I don't feel like anyone's you know, expecting me to do anything, so I'm just going to attack it with uh, you know, everything I got. And I just kind of wanted to really prove every, everybody wrong. You had an opportunity to play, and to play, as we mentioned, Oakland before coming to Vegas. So quickly, it seems like, you know, this was you being confident in a position to play, and then once you got it, you turned off the background noise about your age, not being undrafted, and you said, hey, I belong here. I'm going to have an impact. Yeah, no doubt. You know, once I, got, uh, once I was able to get going, you know, learning from the guys in front of me, like Rodney Hudson, and having coaches like, um, you know, Coach Cable helping me, it was, it was, it was super easy because – just getting all that information from him and just being able to soak it in with, with guys with that much talent and learning from Rodney and, you know, really getting uh, just taught by him, it, it helped me out a lot. So big props to those guys. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, liked, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned uh, Rodney and the impact he had. He won the Commitment to Excellence Award multiple mm-hmm. times. You know what type of leader he was. And then 
the decision that he wanted to leave. And, you know, every player, you'll have that position somewhere down the road as a free agent, the ability to make decisions here. When he made that decision, what were you hearing from your agent around the team that, hey, you're up next. You don't have this guaranteed, but if you step up, you're going to have this job. Yeah, no doubt. It was a... You know, it was kind of a sweet, sour moment for me because I really love Rodney. You know, it, like I was saying, he, he he helped me out a lot, especially learning that new position at center and coming in. But uh, it was an exciting moment, too, because, you know, it was kind of like my opportunity and people, you know, were telling me that. So it was just uh, just a step up to the plate kind of moment. Andre James is our guest. So let's jump ahead and talk about this coaching staff. You mentioned Coach Gable, your new offensive line coach, the head coach, the GM. What's the obvious change you could tell? our fans about because coach Gruden ran a really tough practice and he's a hell of a coach with a big track record. Now Josh McDaniels comes in. What are a couple of those moments now that you see are different that will benefit you? You know, uh, they got, they do got a lot of similarities. They're, uh, you know, the very tight knit guys, you know, they want stuff done, done a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, us as uh, players, we love that because, uh, you know, it shows that they're holding us to a high standard and, uh, that's the only standard that should be there. So, you know, they're super detailed, and uh, it's just our job to fulfill those uh, those commitments. Andre James joins us. Yeah, the verbiage I want to get into now, and obviously what you have to do to change plays at the line of scrimmage with Derek and backup quarterbacks who are going to get a lot of reps. Do you like that part of it, getting in the playbook, looking at this new verbiage? I'm sure it's very demanding going from what Coach Gruden had to Coach McDaniels. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the league and football itself, it's a lot of the same plays, but it's just a lot of different verbiage. So just learning their – just learning their terminology and stuff. It's kind of like learning a new language. Yeah. I mean, you you know what that word means, but it's just a, it's a different word by itself. So that's what these uh, OTAs and this mini camp coming up has been all about, just learning the new plays and kind of learning how they want the coaching and how they want the, us to really uh, commit or do all this stuff. Yeah, the new teammates that are coming in from New England, does that make it easier when they know this, especially for Derek, who has a backup quarterback from New England, but you look at the running back position and some other positions to try to, if you want to pick someone's brain and say, hey, I want to talk about that, does it make it easier because there are a couple of former Patriots here? Yeah, there's a lot of former Patriots here, and we've uh, got time to you know pick a lot of their brains and stuff and see how... Uh, you know what they what they think about certain plays and stuff like that, and then uh, I've also talked to a couple uh, old Patriot players like uh, Teddy Karras and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and kind of got his uh, his ideas of uh, their their old plays and like how he broke it down in his mind, which also helped uh, quite a bit. Andre James is our guest, center for the Raiders, and the ability for you in college and in high school to play multiple positions. You're hearing that a lot, and and I get that. I've been here a long time. When I hear coaches come in, new coaches, and say, "Hey, every position is open." Uh, you know, every, there's competition everywhere, and you keep hearing that this offensive line has players that can play multiple positions. You're a center who can play other positions. What's that like when you go home from the facility going, hey, I think I got this position locked in, but I better know a little bit more about the other ones too? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, this the, uh, center position is a lot different from anywhere else on the O-line. You know, you got to kind of be the quarterback telling everyone, uh, you know, the uh, play call and kind of getting everyone lined up and so uh, it's different. So, it, you know, I really take a lot of it upon myself to, to know every, every uh, position and really what to do. So, uh, One more follow-up on that. Your relationship with Derek Carr, off-season, off-season workouts. Now when you're at practice, do you guys come out together? Do you get eye contact early? Is it, does he automatically expect you? And I know how 
you prepare so hard, you're in great shape, you had a great offseason. You just know every day you get in this building, Carr's probably going to be here first and leaving last, and you got to match his energy. Oh, no doubt. You yeah. know, uh, every morning I see his car out parked out there <laughs> first, and, uh, you know, it gets me going. I don't think we have a harder-working dude than uh, on this team than Derek Carr, and uh, that's what you want in a quarterback. There's no one else like him, in my opinion, than in the league than Derek Carr. He, he works hard, and, you know, he's a great leader, and there would be no other guy I want to play for other than him. We're wrapping it up with Andre James. So the scrutiny of the offensive line. You hear the background noise. The I'm going to talk about it later when we wrap up our interview. Pro Football Focus has you guys in the middle of the pack at 16. And the Chargers, a team you knocked out of the playoffs. You knocked the Colts out of the playoffs. You beat all these teams that might be a little bit ahead in the power rankings. I know it's background noise, but a lot of these columns and stories and TV analysts are saying the Raiders are there if they can get the offensive line to play at a higher level. How do you take that personally? You know, I'm just kind of tone out all the background noise. Honestly, we don't pay too much attention to that kind of stuff. We're just we're, we're just focused on getting better and uh, meeting in these meeting rooms, understanding these new plays, and just working on something new that we can fix each day. You look great. What did you do in the offseason? What was the commitment that was maybe different this offseason to the last couple of years? You know, I was here the whole time. So I was here in uh, Vegas uh, training the facility, been here. You know, since uh, we ended with uh, AJ Nival and his string staff, so mm-hmm. they're always uh, you know a great staff to you know help us uh, improve on what we need to get better on, and it's always just great uh, getting in there and working hard with him. Especially knowing, as you know, the history of the Raiders with Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, Jim Otto, Dave Dalby. When you look back on that in some free time, and it's around you when you come through the tunnel at the stadium and you're here at the facility, knowing the depth of the greatness of the former offensive linemen who played for this franchise. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's one of the most historic franchises, in my opinion, especially at the O-line position. you got you got a bunch of greats. So uh, there's a, definitely a standard to be held there, and, you know, we uh, definitely know about it. What, finally, what do you feel about the schedule now with the extra preseason game out in Canton, the Hall of Fame game? I just think it's going to be great because you know you guys are going to get a tour of it. Have you been to Canton before? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. So you're going to get there. And they're going to give you a tour at some point with the team, and you're going to walk in there. I think it's going to be life-changing for you to see the bust and see the history. Sounds like you're looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I'm really excited to get out there and uh, see all the history uh, at the Hall of Fame. And too far to look ahead at the schedule, but you open up in L.A., which is a Raiders home game because you know Raider Nation is going to take (laughs) take that building over and then the home opener against Arizona. So when the schedule comes out, I'm sure you look at it, and you got family who maybe travel, meet you on the road. Any uh, objective opinion about this schedule, or is it going to be a one game at a time? I really just think it's going to be a one game at a time. You know, uh, I think we got a lot of good teams uh, looking forward, but um, right now, just looking at it, it's just one one week at a time, and uh, we're super excited. Finally, what do you want to do in the community? What's your big picture here as you're getting settled in? You've been with the organization a few years now, and I know everybody in this organization, especially the owner, Mark Davis, want you to give back. Yeah, you know, we came in here, and uh, it was a hard time because when we moved here, uh, COVID-19 was going on. So uh, for us, giving back to the community, we just really wanted to give back hope and, uh, you know, uh, opportunity. So we're just working forward, uh, looking forward to getting out there in the community more and, uh, you know, putting some smiles on happy faces. Great. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Have a great, healthy season. You got it. There he is, Andre James. Great that we can get him on. Really think the world of him, his work ethic, and how he came into this program, as we touched on, being undrafted, coming out of UCLA. And they threw him in to play a lot. And he's played at a high level, and he knows his role. I'm telling you, from just looking at him as he walks out and I wave goodbye, he's in massive shape. He looks much more cut up and fit and to be in fantastic shape. So 
Again, I'm not going to go deep down the road here and talk about the depth chart. He is penciled in as the starter at center. He will be pushed for that position. He knows it. He touched on that. And it sounds like what I love about what he brings to the table is there's no background noise for him. Came into the league undrafted, didn't expect to play. They threw him in. Got to start at UCLA when Colt Miller went down and he stepped in and played all the games that he played. He was a state champion in the shot put, and he turned down offers from Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Ohio State, USC, and Oregon to go there. And I think as a pro coming in here, when he signed with the Raiders undrafted, he made his debut against the Broncos. He made his first career start in Week 9 in place of Rodney Hudson, and he appeared in 12 games with one start as a rookie. And if you take a look at him, the Raiders signed him to a three-year, $12.5 million contract extension through next season. So when, when you look at him, they made a commitment to him. But he knows that the new organization, the new regime, didn't make that commitment to him. It was the people of the past. Now he has an opportunity. He signed that extension in 2021. Now he comes in working for Dave Ziegler, and he's ready to go. That's a guy who gets it. He plays every play, every snap, like he's fighting for his job. And we're going to get more into the offensive line, because as I told you, I think the concern is getting one more veteran in. In June, early on here, we're getting to June 6th, and today is Remembrance of D-Day. So let me bring that up as we start the show. D-Day, I posted a picture today uh, on my Twitter at JT the Brick in remembrance of that. I walked that beach, Omaha Beach, Utah Beach, a number of years ago. It was very sombering, had a heavy effect on my life that day. So I wanted to open that in the show. But I think the Raiders here early in June with this cap relief we've been talking about, they're going to have an opportunity to go sign someone on the offensive line. And I hope someone on the offensive line is a veteran who comes in. He's a cap casualty. Okay, follow me here. Good player on an offensive line that's better than the Raiders that lets a backup player go who's good enough to start for the Raiders. That's my need. That's what I want to see. That's it. You're not going to hear anything out of me. New wide receiver, Odell Beckham, nothing. All I'm going to say is I think they're set. I think this team is set. Of course, if there was a great linebacker, normally great linebackers aren't released. You know, at this time for a cutdown. But if they are, I would say the same thing about a starting linebacker. But the depth on the offensive line, as they're talking about adding players into the second team, the backups who are good enough to start, one more player would make me happy because I know who they're going with. I got the depth chart in front of me. And if I look at a couple of the players there, they're all under duress because they're fighting to keep their job. Other than Colt Miller. Leatherwood's here because he was drafted high. Andre James is here because he's a very good player, decent player, getting better. No debate on that. Andre James, you know this. You called me on the postgame show or on the show. He got better as the season went on, so he feels comfortable in that position. Then you look at the guards. Okay, the guards are okay, but what about right tackle? And can they find a player to be a swing right tackle and play it in an emergency or get a right tackle from another team that could – push Leatherwood either inside or to the bench. I like Leatherwood. He won the Outland Trophy for a national championship team. I like him a lot. I think there's tremendous upside with him. There was a lot of upside with Cleveland Farrell when he got drafted and he hasn't lived up to it. I like him too. So this is a do-or-die camp for a lot of these guys. They're coming in. 
even with contracts, I think there's going to be some cuts that will surprise you, or at least it'll be on your radar about a couple of position groups. I'm going to wait to do that when cutdowns come because we got a lot of content that we have to provide. I'm not doing that today. I'm not saying who's going to make the team or not. Today's media day. The guys are all excited to be here. 702-365-9200. Also, later on in the show, and let me tell you one of the things and one of the reasons we're here today, we're tweaking the lineup. Vinny Bonsignor, his role will expand to in the huddle on the morning tailgate from 7 to 10 a.m., and he'll be coming on all of our shows. So I'm excited to talk to Vinny more, which will be great. He'll have more in-depth reports throughout the day. So his changes are being made. Now, I wanted to open the show and pay tribute to Brent Musburger. But I'm going to have a tough time with this today. I'm going to be honest with everybody in the Raider Nation, which 98% of you people are phenomenal and great because I know you. I'm really disappointed in some of the reaction from Raider fans on social media about Brent Musburger. And I'm going to get into it now or number two and I have more time. I'm disgusted by some of the responses to our friend, a great legend in this business. 83 years old. I was on the road. My phone blew up. Thought I had to get a new iPhone in Rochester, New York. How many people texted me about this? What happened? What happened? It's no one's business what happened. He retired. He retired at 83. Not at 53. Not at 56. Not at 79. He just turned 83. My dad just turned 84 last week, and my dad's been retired for 15 years. No one says, hey, man, what's going on with your dad? How come he's retired? I cannot believe some of the reaction to this. If you want to compare Brent Musburger to other play-by-play voices, let me go first. He's on the Mount Rushmore of sports broadcasting, no debate. He hosted the greatest studio pregame show, the one that launched everything, for CBS. So he was fantastic with that, with the NFL today, with Phyllis George and her iconic move as a female behind the desk with Irv Cross and Jimmy the Greek. His NBA years in the 80s with Bird and Magic, the work that he did in the locker room presenting Al Davis with the Super Bowl, remember him? And the impact that he had inside the locker room on game day. His career at ESPN in his 60s and 70s, are at such a high point, many young broadcasters will never, ever, ever get near that. And then we're fortunate enough to have him for the voice of the Raiders because the Raiders made a change. They moved here and they picked an icon for a number of reasons. Now, he does radio. It's different than TV. Was every call perfect? Obviously not. Not everyone's call is perfect there. But please wish Brent Musburger well. Okay, I don't say, I care what you say to me on Twitter. I'll come right back at you. I'll come right back at you when you treat people disrespectfully. So when I look in, I'm traveling, I'm in two airports, and I'm looking down, I'm looking down at some of the reaction to his retirement, and I see some of it from so-called Raider fans who live and die. You, you cut them and it's silver and black to Brent Musburger. How dare anyone, anyone not wish him well and thank him for his service to the team. Al Davis into Mark Davis said, once a Raider, always a Raider. Brent Musburger is a Raider. He has more history with the Raiders than any other broadcaster in television or radio history because of his work at the national level with the Raiders. Bill King, Greg Papa, all great voices. And whoever gets the next job, we welcome him to the team. He or she, and we hope they do well. But a little, clean it up a little bit more in the Raider Nation, please. 
Clean it up a little bit more amongst yourselves when someone of that iconic, iconic level retires at the age of 83 and you're wondering why. Really, you're wondering why an 83-year-old retires? You're really going to dive into it and examine it on the internet in an absolute sewer of the internet on Twitter? It really bothered me. And I'm honest on the radio. Brent Musburger throwing to me after the game, traveling with him on the road in London, calling my dad on his birthday, coming on my radio shows all the time nationally and locally over the years. I feel I needed to do that today. There's no need for speculation. I got five texts today. What happened with Brent? Who has the new job? I have no idea. No idea. I just love to wish people well. We have people on like Robert Gallery on this show, other players who maybe their career didn't go the way you expected it to do. We wish them well. We take the high road. That's why I'm going on my 24th year with this team. Players, coaches, families come and go. Brent Musburger is going to have a long life. He's hit it all. Do you know what he made? You know how he did Vizen and Vizen sold to DraftKings? You wonder why he retired? Dive into that rabbit hole on what he did to bring sports gambling to Vegas nationally with Vison and what he did after that as they sold to DraftKings and maybe guess what happened to him on that deal and what he got paid on the back door. Brett Musburger doesn't need your concern or sympathy. Just wish him well and thank him for being the voice of the Raiders. That's the monologue brought to you by PTs. Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m. as we roll here out of the gate. We're going to talk to Doug Jolly coming up in a little bit. I'll get into the Warriors. I thought I was going to talk about Brent Musburger next hour, but I think I got that off my chest to start. And the excitement of media day here. And thanks again to Andre James who popped in. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be in the building. I'm excited to see this team and what accomplishments they'll have this year as it feel like it feels like it's all underway today. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. When I was listening, Lincoln, JT was on fire this week. On fire. He (laughs) took on those rascals who've been knocking the Raiders from one side of the nation to the other for decimating their offensive line. Now, we all know, you know, Hudson was a big loss. Yeah. But they're talking about Trent Brown. And he said, Trent Brown, he couldn't get on the field. He He was stealing his money. He was stealing. (laughs) Sounded just like him. I loved him. I was listening. I just started laughing. Arlene and I were driving up in Las Vegas. It was so much fun. He was on fire this week. JT DeBrick coming up after the game. Yeah, that's Brent Musburger. I'm paying tribute to him today. First day back on the air here at Raiders Media Day. In beautiful Henderson today. Getting a little warm the way I like it. Going to get real hot out here. The players don't have a problem with any of it. They like to go out and play. They're getting used to it here. Uh, we'll talk to Doug Jolly coming up momentarily. Passionate Raider. Stood through the monologue. Let's get him up on the flagship. Go ahead. Good afternoon, JT. Hey, first off, I want to tell Bobby, hey, the Celtics, I told you the Celtics were going to get game one, and the boys were going to come back ready in game two and ready to roll. Draymond's going to be the key to this. To this series, Bobby, 
If they can, if Draymond can stay out of his own way, I don't think the Celtics are going to give him. But I do give the Celtics props because them young boys are coming. They're 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 playing physical and they're not backing down. I just think this experience is going to get him. I'm still saying Warriors in seven. Clay Thompson hits the three at the end. And JT about uh about James the center. I remember last year week two. Where did we lose him? I guess we lost him. That point on, that man really stepped his game up the rest of the year, and he was on point. He wasn't doing the stupid things he did week one and two, and I really think he solidified his spot at center. I'm hoping they keep him there at center. I like his grittiness. I like his toughness, and I just like the hard work that we're hearing from him. And I just think another year of commodity with him and Derek is, is what needs to stay. I just wanted to keep things consistent and, and just keep it flowing. We got, what is it, 96 days till kickoff now, JT, 95? I'm stoked over here. Love hearing everything we're seeing, seeing Devontae and black and silver. And, and, and big, big props to, to, to Musburger, man. I mean, I know Musburger my whole life in sports growing up. I respect the man for everything he's done. I, I mean, he wasn't my favorite radio for the Raiders, but he did do a good job. He did have his own little swag with it. I'm really curious to see who we're going to give in. And I just need to know, where do I need to send my application? Because I would love to call the Raider games, JT. Oh, I love it. Let's go, Raiders! Yeah, Brent had a, a Brent has a stellar career still going. Brent Musburger's not done yet. He's a, one of the great broadcasters in the history of sports. I'm sure the next chapter will even be more unique. Looking forward to uh, connecting with him soon again. Doug Jolly, former tight end for the Silver and Black, kind enough to join us. Brought to you by M Resort Spawn Casino. Uh, Doug, good to catch up with you again. How's the beginning of summer going for you? <laughs> It's hot. I'm up in St. George, and it's, uh, I think it's going to be over 100 today already. So this, I think it might be a little bit of a long summer. Yeah, Doug, like you guys in Vegas. Yeah, Doug, that is really close here, so I know we're going to see you around a lot and get going. What was it like for you when you came to the Raiders 2002 to 2004, this time of year when you knew you were reporting to OTAs, you were going to be a part of this? It's changed a lot in 20 years in regards to the practices and the ability that you went through compared to more walkthroughs nowadays. But how did you stay in shape in the offseason to get ready for the start of the year? Yeah, it was a it was a big change for me to go from BYU to Oakland, <clears throat> and the, the cool thing for for uh, for me about it was that I got to play with all these legends. Um, I remember my first day with all the veterans when they showed up. I counted eight guys that I had grown up playing Super Tecmo Bowl with, and that was a lot of fun for me to be able to play with some guys like Jerry Rice and Tim Brown and Bill Romanowski and Rod Woodson, and, and now I had to, I got to be on the same team for for uh, with them, and so that was that was pretty cool. It was fun. Yeah, that is great um, for you because you come in drafted in the second round, picked for number 55, and all those future Hall of Famers, all those gold jackets were there for a reason, trying to get Mr. Davis another Super Bowl title. So did you feel the pressure when you were coming in, or was the pressure on you as a reasonably high draft pick to perform and make the team? Yeah, I mean, I think guys in the NFL always feel some sort of pressure. Whether it's you know it's their first year and they're trying to make a team, or whether it's you know they're a pretty high draft pick and they're trying to justify that pick, or they're a veteran and they're trying to make the you know there's a, a, a young guy coming in trying to steal their spot, or there's a guy that's made the Pro Bowl and he's trying to prove that wasn't a fluke and he can do it again, or they're working for a new contract. So I think no matter the situation people are in in the NFL, there's always some sort of pressure. And 
And I think, you know, a lot of these guys are so competitive that it's just another motivation for them to work hard and, and to work on their game and, and improve their skills. Former Raiders tight end Doug Jolly is our guest. Doug, I want to go back. You mentioned Romanowski and Rod Woodson. Oh, my God. I mean, Woodson's one of the top 20 defensive players of all time. No debate. And Romanowski is a borderline Hall of Famer and one of the meanest guys to ever practice against. You're a tight end going up against Romanowski. What memories do you have at practice? Yeah, that, that was pretty. That was pretty uh, a big adjustment for me. Um, you know, obviously I knew who he was, and he was a competitive guy. And to see him around the weight room and and to see the way he took care of his body and the way he practiced, it was it was definitely eye opening. And uh, you know, he he there was a there, a lot I could learn from him. And he he went hard in practice, and he did it the right way. And uh, as long as you you know worked hard and did what you're supposed to, and and. Uh, you didn't take any cheap shots or anything like that. He was really good at practice against. But if he thought you weren't, you know, putting forth your full effort, or if he thought, he thought you were trying to pull a quick one on him, he he would uh, he'd get in your face and let you know about it for sure. But he was a, definitely a big competitor, and uh, you know, a, a, a big time pro. Because I'm not sure how many years he played, but he he definitely got the most out of his out of his abilities. He played a long time and had a great career. Doug Jolly, Rich Gannon as your quarterback when you come in. He ends up winning an MVP, leads the team to the Super Bowl. What were those film sessions like and the way he was able to coach you up and talk to you as a young player? Rich took really good care of me. and He, he was a guy that had been in the league a long time, and by the time I got to the Raiders, he was older. He was you know, 35 or 36, mm-hmm. and, and he'd been around a long time. But he hadn't, until Gruden got to the Raiders, I don't think Rich was um, – thought of one of the great of one of, of as one of the best quarterbacks in the league and then when Gruden came in he just kind of took off and then when Gruden left to go to Tampa and Callahan took over as coach uh Rich became the the MVP of the league that year he was just amazing and he had a great year and he had you know Rice and Brown and Jerry Porter and Charlie Garner and all those guys to throw the ball to and then I you know as, as a rookie there were you know some good on the field that Rich could throw it to and then you know sometimes I'd get open and he'd get the ball to me too but he was awesome he He'd been around forever, and he knew how he wanted you to run the routes, and he'd coach you up, and, and he'd get you the ball. He'd say, Doug, here's what's going to happen. You know, you're going to run this route. You're going to do this, and I'm going to get you the ball. And, and he, he got me the ball. He was awesome yeah. to play for. Yeah, you came in, and we're catching balls right out of the gate. Doug Jolly is our guest. Doug, we just had young center Andre James in studio before you came on, and I just want to get your philosophy on run blocking. When you weren't running routes and you were expected to block, on the offensive line and stay in. How important was that pride-wise for you to make sure you did your job? Because that Raider offensive line were road graders, and the running backs behind were guys who could run downhill but also get you that tough one or two yards on a third and one when you had to have it. What are your memories on the offensive line when you were working with those guys? Yeah, it was, it was well known that if you wanted to play tight end for the Raiders, you had to be able to block. Um, and that was, you know, coming out of college, I was about 243. Um, I was a quarterback in high school, and I was, I was always working on being a better run blocker. And so they, they told me straight up, if you want to play, you got to be able to run block. And so I took, a lot of, you know, I, I, I took a lot of pride in that and worked on it. And we had, you know, our offensive line was some big dudes. We had Barrett Robbins at center. We had um, Lincoln Kennedy at right tackle. We had Frank Middleton. We had Mo Collins and Barry Sims. You know, we had a, a huge offensive line. And we had Charlie Garner and um, Tyrone Wheatley, a running back, and Zach Crockett and John Ritchie. We had some big dudes, and we, we could run the ball downhill. And I think nowadays they do a little more zone, uh, zone and RPOs and things like that. But back in the day, 
we were road graders. Our offensive line could, you know, could pull people on skates and move them, move them back. And, and uh, we had the big bodies at running back that could, you know, put Zach Crockett on there in third and short or on the yeah. goal line. He'd, he'd get you in there. So, yeah, I, I, you know, at 243, I had to work on my technique and I had to get low and, I, you know, I had to keep my move, uh, feet moving and give a base. And a lot of things I had to work on to be able to, to stay and play, um, you know, every, every down for, for us as a rookie. Doug, tell us about your family as we wrap it up and what's going on with your career right now. So I live in St. George, Utah, which is where I went to high school, and uh, I'm just teaching high school math. Um, I'm teaching high school math. I'm coaching basketball. I have a son that's going to be a, a sophomore next year. He, uh, he plays basketball and he plays tennis. He's a tall, skinny kid, so um, he's, he's a really good tennis player and he's a good basketball player, so I have fun coaching him in the basketball, and, and I'm, 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 coach, I'm actually going to be teaching math uh, next year at the high school I went to. So that's fun for me to kind of return to my roots. And, and I like math. I'm kind of a nerd that way. So it's, it's fun for me to work with the kids and, and teach them some math. Doug, what can you tell the parents listening out there about kids who struggle with math initially at a young age and they know it's just, it's, it's just going to get more difficult in high school calculus and what they have to take going into college and the mandatory classes? How do you get a kid back online if he's intimidated and struggling early with math? Yeah, that's a good question, and you know, I get that I get that question asked me all the time. And I think the big kid thing is, it's um, you get you got to put the time in. Um, and that was one reason I like math is because you know there was always there was there was one answer, and you could kind of. I, I I remember in seventh and eighth grade, I used to have my textbook and I go through the problems and I do my work and I check in the back of the book and see if I got the answer. And that was what I liked about it. There was an answer. So for a kid that's struggling, I, I, I said, tell him not to get frustrated. Just keep putting in the time. You know, ask, your, ask a lot of questions to your teacher, to other students in the class. And if you're, you, know, you're not, you don't feel comfortable doing that or you're working on it over the summer, you, there are a lot of YouTube videos. And, and that's one of those things that you've got to put the time in to be able to learn it. Um, you can't just kind of show up to class and listen to the teacher. You've got to do the problems yourself. And you've you got to learn by doing and so we'll put the pencil to paper and, and, you know, put in the time. And, and it's, you know, some people learn it quicker than others. But I think that people put the time and I think they'll, you know, they'll be able to improve the math skills. Nicely said. Doug, great to talk to you again. I know you're coming to games because you're in St. George. So you can come down overnight. You come to these Raider alumni events and hopefully we catch you at a few games at Allegiant Stadium. That would be great. Allegiant Stadium is beautiful. So I'm going to make it down there as much as I can. Thanks, Doug. Good to talk to you. Have a great summer. Thanks, A.T. You got it, Doug Jolly. Yeah, great to talk to him. What a good guy. He had a nice impact on the Raiders in his first couple of years. Got to the Super Bowl, then was moved to the Jets, ended his career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and good guy. Amazing. You know, you talk about a pro football player in that era where there was good money being made, and he's a businessman. He decides to be a math teacher in his hometown. That's a great life. We're talking about going full circle and bringing it forward, teaching kids in the high school that he, he played at and starred at now to teach math, not, not to teach football. A little basketball there, but known for more than a football player as a math teacher and a leader in his community. Always nice. want to thank the gals in the building here who just texted me about an hour ago and said we got Doug today after we opened up the show with Andre James. I think it's a good day as it's Raiders Media Day and we're inside the building for you to talk about the Raiders offensive line. We just had Andre James on. What would you like to see from him in this upcoming year here? He's signed. He's under contract. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to start. There are no guarantees in this building, especially on the offensive line, other than Colt Miller. But there are going to be players who play. 
and they're going to play a lot, and I think we're going to be seeing players switch around. I'm in shock every year. Every year at this time, June into July, especially after the break in June when we come back in July and it's a real countdown, on how to keep the Raider offensive line healthy. Every year there's injuries, and they're big guys who have big medical issues when they get hurt. A big guy, 320 pounds, going down to the ground. You know, you come up again, you're tweaked a bit, you can't play. You can't practice for a number of weeks. It's imperative that this offensive line is healthy. I think Tom Cable, the former offensive line coach, did a pretty good job considering what he had to deal with, what he had to deal with. If Trent Brown came to this organization making the money he did and played at a high level, he would have been rewarded to stay here. He had no interest in being here. And that move where Trent Brown was an absolute bust and I think a fraud on the offensive line and stole money from this organization really put the organization back. Because then, then they had a reach on an offensive lineman. I like Leatherwood. At number 17 overall, there's no one in the world of football that will tell you that that was a good draft pick at that number. But the Raiders wanted him, and it was a priority. And I remember exactly where I was when Colt Miller got drafted. And a lot of people didn't understand that, but he turned out to be a very good player. I think this is year one. It could have been last year, but starting this year, I think to Colt Miller will be a starter or an alternate, but named to the Pro Bowl. And if he can do that for three, four, five years, that'll be really, really be a hell of a pick. But they need something similar out of Alex Leatherwood. Remember Colt Miller's first couple of games in his first year when he didn't play that well. We saw that with Leatherwood. What moves did they make to become better in the next year? That's what coaching is all about. We're brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. In that Remy Martin brand, they have Botanist Gin, which is fantastic, cool, refreshing. If you're a gin drinker, you're in the summer, you don't want something that's real heavy, the Botanist Gin is your new way to go with a whole bunch of cocktail options that we'll talk about throughout the summer right here on the flagship of the Raiders. We have a Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame guest coming up at the top of the hour that I'm excited to talk to because I know the name, Sean Davis, and you will. What the rodeo means to this town financially, the price tag is enormous. We'll talk about his legendary career. More on Brett Musburger. I'm the guy to talk to if you want to talk about this, because I knew him, and I know him well. So I'm not, I have no idea who's going to be the next voice of the Raiders, but I know Brett Musburger and the impact he had on broadcasting. It's another topic we can talk about today. 702-365-9200, brought to you by Grimaldi's. Oh, my. J.T. and Eric Allen. Will they be happy back at the M Club in Las Vegas? I can only imagine. I believe J.T. I think I see him dancing around the room right now. He got the whole city fired up. We come to the end of the game. And in sudden death overtime, Raiders 36, Cowboys 33. Jackpot, baby. I think that was the biggest win of the year. Matter of fact, I know that was the biggest win last year as the Raiders went into Dallas on Thanksgiving and won with a walk-off with Brent Musburger on the call. They don't win that game. They're not in playoff contention. Remember, Thanksgiving, end of November into December, kind of had to run the table with the final four games to get in, and they get in. I'm going to save the Warriors for a moment 
and we'll get to that. I just I do this every once in a while. I got the alert today from Pro Football Focus on their newest rankings. And I think it really is clickbait because it was similar to what they had. They have Pro Football Focus today put out power rankings, positional rankings, and roster breakdowns. It's very detailed and very good. So I went back to see if there were any changes and what's looking, what am I seeing in regards to the power rankings. And they have the Raiders at 16. 16 is right dead in the middle of 32 teams when you look at what they have. So they're there. And I looked at it again, and the thing I think that should infuriate, absolutely infuriate everyone, is the fact that the Raiders are last in the AFC West. But here's the deal. In their power rankings at number four, they have Kansas City. At number five, they have the Chargers. At number seven, they have Denver. That's it. You don't, need to, you don't need me to say anything else other than that. So the power rankings here are fascinating. If it isn't me or someone else in the Raider Nation, who is pushing back on pro football focus and these other sites saying, you know, what are you doing? What, what did the Raiders not do last year to impress you that they should be ranked higher than Denver or higher than the Chargers? And I think the common answer around the league is simple. Coaching change. What I'm getting from Vegas sportsbook operators is the fact that the Raiders won too many close games on walk-offs. You just heard one from Brent Musburger. So if you add that on to play, the sportsbooks do not believe that the Raiders can do that again, which is fair. That's why these sportsbooks and these casinos make all the money. They know everything about that. They understand, and they look at the algorithms and the metrics and the rosters and all this, and they try to figure out who's going to come back to the pack and do that. But you're telling me that Denver is that high only because they got Russell Wilson? Because they had to give up a few players to get him. And yeah, he's, they're that high. They moved Denver up significantly over the Raiders, who have beat them four games in a row and got their coach fired in Vic Fangio because of one player. One player, Russell Wilson. Well, the Raiders got a damn good player in Derek Carr. I'm not saying he's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's played in a couple of Super Bowls. I'm fair with that, but that's how much they believe Russell Wilson is a difference overall with their ranking. And then when it comes to the Chargers, again, everybody's talking about the Chargers being the most improved roster because of the additions they made, the five new starters on a team that should have made the playoffs already. But they didn't make the playoffs already. So the analysts believe they're so good and they've underachieved, they should have been in the playoffs last year the year before, that now they'll automatically be in it with Jackson, Mr. Interception at quarterback, and the addition of Khalil Mack and what they have up front. So good. That, that's what we know is going to be the key storyline of the offseason. In the power rankings, no matter what power rankings you look at, pro football focus, pro football talk, it could be Bleacher Report, whatever it is, the Raiders are going to be last in the division because of Kansas City deservingly being the number one ranked team there for, their, for the work they've done. But the fact that the love fest for Russell Wilson and the Chargers are, are just it's higher than the Raiders. And I can't believe it because the Raiders won 10 games, made the playoffs unlike Denver and the Chargers, and improved the roster. Look, if the Raiders didn't improve the roster and were gutted with new coaches coming in, I'd agree with you. Us against the world, that should be your moniker. 
for Raider fans. Us against the world. You've been doing that your whole life if you've been a Raider fan. One hour up, one more to go. JT, back in the facility building, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, as we keep it going here. Brought to you by meetupvegas.com, code word JT Brick. <laughs> 